What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wellprinter Online Podcast. This week, I'm talking to herbalist Melanie St. Ors from Psyche and Soma. And what I love about my conversation with Melanie is that she's really turning the idea of an herbal medicine practice on its head and being quite forward thinking and really innovative in how she runs her practice and handles patients. So I think this is just brilliant. As you know, herbal medicine is one of my passions and I really wanna bring it out to the world in a bigger way, just like with health and wellness in general, really that's my driving motivation. And so I love bringing people on the show that are doing something different that helps them reach a larger audience. So if you see, and this is especially the case in herbal medicine, and I think with a lot of holistic practices is that there's this belief that you can't make money doing it, that you need to be poor, right? Because people just aren't gonna pay for it. And in our conversation today, Melanie and I really dig into this belief and see, is there another way to approach herbal medicine and working with people in a holistic practice to benefit more people, but also to support yourself so that you don't feel like you're just barely making ends meet. So Melanie does some really interesting things working with clients. And especially, I think you're going to like how she packages her services. So if you do any sort of one-on-one work with clients where you might be charging by the hour to visit with clients and, and treat clients, then I think you'll be really interested in what Melanie's done in her practice, which actually brings in more money and gets better results for her clients. So in today's conversation, we're going to be talking about things ranging from specifically how Melanie's packaging her services to this belief that that you shouldn't be able to make a lot of money for your practice and also how she's moved a, a portion of her business online and even created online programs. So I hope that even if you're not a herbalist, if you're dealing with clients at all in the holistic space or working with them one-on-one, I think you'll find something valuable to take away from this episode. And as a reminder, you'll be able to get all the show notes and the links and everything we discussed in this episode back on my website at wellpreneuronline.com slash 25. Okay, so let's dive right into this interview with Melanie St. Ors. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to talking to you, actually, because as you know, herbal medicine is one of my passions, and and I'm an herbalist too, and we haven't had an herbalist on the show. And you know, you and I have chatted earlier, and I think you have a really interesting approach to your practice that's, let's say, a bit more modern and leveraged than what I see with a lot of herbalists. So I was really excited to have you on and, and to share what you're doing. Oh, I'm I'm glad to. I think that, you know, as we spoke before privately, it's it's really such a challenge for a lot of herbalists to figure out how to actually get this work out into the world to the people who we know really need it. So anything that I can share that will help someone else share this medicine is um, an honor and a privilege. So I'm glad to do it. Awesome. So let's just jump right in then. 
Your website is Psyche and Soma, which is kind of your website for both your herbal medicine practice and also your body work practice. I'm kind of curious how this came about. Did you always know that you wanted an online component to your business? No, I definitely did not always know that. I think that, you know, starting out as a body worker, as I did, it was the beginning of my getting my training wheels and having my own practice was really so much about local clients. Like there was definitely no way that someone from, I have now a client in Italy or clients in the UK or clients in Alaska, they were never going to hire me for body work. So it was easy for me when I first started to only think about local advertising and very location-specific kinds of ways of reaching out to potential clients. But as I started to get the sense, once I really dove into herbalism, I really found that the people who would respond to the kind of work that I was doing, they're not necessarily all clustered here in Washington, D.C. They're kind of scattered to the winds, you know? And I realized that if I could find a way to gather that community using the tools of the internet, and if I could find a way to deliver herbal medicine effectively remotely without my client having to be in the same room that I was in, it would be so much easier to find the right people and not to have to kind of push myself into the the consciousness of folks in DC who may or may not really be interested in herbs. So it was something that developed very specifically around my herbal practice and and a little bit around my own my own hope that well gosh like maybe I could really build this business in a way that would support some of my dreams like being able to travel or not always being stuck in my own office. So it's kind of a combination of those things. So a lot of people that that I've talked to in the health and wellness field are actually coaches. So they do coaching online, like via Skype. So are you doing the same thing? Do you do consultations with patients? Yes. I have a system that I've worked out now that I have to actually say, as I look at my results with my Skype clients and my in-person herbal clients, my Skype clients are actually doing better than my in-person people, if you can believe that. And it's hard for me to believe that. But it may there may be some placebo effect of, you know, when you're consulting with somebody via Skype who lives far away from you, maybe somehow you think that they're more special or have, have more like healing uh, mojo than like someone just in your town. I don't know. But I also think that using some of the online tools that I use, so having my clients fill out all of their health history forms and their session updates before we meet, being able to track all of their information online, and then having these Skype sessions, I have found that people are getting just as good results as if I was in the room with them. And it does take away some of my hands-on assessment abilities. You know, like I obviously, I can't feel somebody's pulse if they are, if we're working over Skype, but I've found that I can adapt. Like I've gotten really good at, at tongue assessment, for example. And I think pretty good at some of the coaching part of supporting people and changing their behavior. So yeah, it's it's been really interesting learning how to apply this very in-person practice as herbalism was taught to me to a more online kind of distance medium. Yeah, I love that because, you know, I'm quite plugged into the herbalist community here in the UK and I get a lot of resistance about on like people have a lot of fears, I guess, about trying to work with clients at a distance. And I think an easy way to start is even just maybe doing follow-ups with your the clients maybe you've seen in person once and then mm-hmm. starting to move into 
you know, doing follow-ups with them online. Because like you said, it provides so much more flexibility and it's easier for you and also for the client not to have Mm -hmm. to travel to the appointment. So I think it's a really great option that people should look into. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, different practitioners will have different styles. So what I've found in business is that you just have to test things, you know? So if you're resistant to the idea of online or distance work, that's fine. You're allowed to be resistant and there's nothing that says you have to do it. But if you're really struggling to find clients and if you really honestly look at your practice and it's not working, you've got to do something different. And you can choose what that is, but you want to test out your results and really see, like I can now confidently stand in the position that I am not doing my distance clients a disservice. If anything, they're getting the best of what I have to offer and I have the results to prove it. So you just have to keep track of things and give it a try. And if it doesn't work, then you scrap it. It's no Mm -hmm. big deal. Totally. That's so true in all parts of business. I mean, marketing and products and and when you're working directly with clients, you just, it's all an experiment, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Exactly. See what works. Now, something else that you do that's really interesting, and I really want to dive into this, is about pricing. Mm-hmm. Because I remember you told me that you actually have, I, I don't want to say it wrong, but you have like packages or programs mm-hmm. yep. instead of charging by the hour. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I know, at least in the herbal world, most people aren't doing. Most people are just charging by appointment. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a bit about that, what you found with changing how you price your packages? Yeah. And this is definitely a growing edge for me still. And I empathize so much with anyone who is out there listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I could never, how could I ever put together a package and like that just feels so wrong. And honestly, when I first thought about doing this, I was terrified that somehow the herbal medicine police were going to descend upon me and tell me that I was doing something so horrible. And how could I like package my services? I don't know. I was really, really nervous about it. But when I look at the numbers of what the herbal side of my practice was doing before I implemented this strategy, the herbal medicine made up about maybe 25% of my income each month. And now that I've implemented this packaging program, my business has doubled and herbal medicine is now equal or exceeding the bodywork component each month. And that has been very consistent for about six months now. And that was a big goal that I had. And so now essentially I have the herbal business um, is an equivalent size to what my bodywork practice used to be. So I've now hit that point where I can start letting go of the bodywork if I want to and continuing to grow the herbal piece. So and meanwhile, my clients, my herbal clients are doing better. So I want to give you that background before I tell you what the strategy is, Mm. because I think it's important to think about if you're considering something like this, what are the benefits and do those benefits outweigh that feeling of being nervous about it or worried if people are going to judge you? So for me, it did. And the actual strategy. So what I started doing was saying, okay, what if my client and I come up with when we have our first intake session Together, we decide how many months of consistent work we would like to commit to before we have a reassessment or a reevaluation of what's happening. So the two major areas of practice that I, that I am in are women's health and mental health. So with women's health issues, the rule of thumb is that usually it takes about 
three months or three menstrual cycles in order to see a significant change in a pattern. I mean, you might see some early progress before that, but at the three-month mark, you're going to have a very good sense of whether your protocol is working. So usually that's kind of where I would start with my women's Mm -hmm. health clients. And I'd say, okay, let's commit to three months of work. And I charge a monthly fee that includes one session per month, email support. And if they need a 15-minute follow-up call, that's included. And they get emails with their written protocol, um, with specific product or brand suggestions, or I will facilitate a custom formula from a pharmacy all of that included. And that rate previously was 125 US per month. And I have recently increased that to 150 US per month. That is brilliant, actually, because I think what you've shown and why it's working is because the clients don't really care about how they get to the result. They just want the result. And so if you present it as a package, like this is your package to get the result that you want, that we decided on together is achievable for you, then they don't really care about the details in it. And they just want that end result. We find that in coaching a lot is that if you just sell people like one coaching session, you know, maybe they'll do it Mm -hmm. and they won't stick with it because what they really want is the transformation. They want the result at the end. So they actually need a series to get there. Yes. And it serves to keep both the client and myself accountable. And I think this is a real problem in in herbal medicine, but in complementary and alternative medicine as a whole. I mean, yes, it's true that everyone responds differently to these therapies and to the plants. And it's true that sometimes there's a period of time of figuring it out and testing and all of that kind of stuff. But I've just heard way too many clients who come to me saying, well, and, and they almost are, they're almost in a position of kind of not exactly apologizing, but they're making excuses for me before we even start to work together of like, well, and I know you can't say for sure whether this will help me or not and things like that because they've been told, I guess, by practitioners before if stuff isn't working well, we just have to keep trying and mm-hmm. sometimes it's the wrong therapy. And so when by putting these check-in points in place, we're able to say, okay, we're all in for three months or six months or however long we decide. And when we get to that next decision point, we're going to both have a hard look at what's happened. And if we haven't seen the improvement that we expect, or if you're not getting the results, then that's a point when you might decide to see somebody else or to try a different strategy. Or it's a point when I know that I need to completely rework the way that I've been approaching the case. So I think that there is, there's a way that it builds in, it builds in this like a safety valve for the client as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that approach actually, because, you know, I found on the nutrition side when doing health coaching, you know, people might get a couple sessions in and then they feel like they're not seeing results and they just stop or they get, they start to get immediate results and then they hit a plateau and then they stop. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually, if they just kept going a bit longer, they might have you know, they might, they'd start to lose weight again or whatever it was that they were looking for. So what you're saying is if you set it out and say, we're going to work together for three months or five months, and then it gets them to stick with it for that time period. And then at the end of that, then you both come back and reassess, is it really working like we planned or not? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Can we just talk about something that I, that I see that's rampant, I think in especially the herbal community, but just across healers and therapists, which is this sense of feeling guilty 
about charging for what you do. And I'm curious, you know, my sense is there's this feeling like we just want to help everyone with our skills and feel like everyone should be able to be healthy and happy and and achieve these results that we're going to be able to achieve them, help them achieve. And then, I don't know, I feel like it, it makes people feel quite guilty about charging money, but also, you know, charging a lot less than they're worth. So mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts around that? Yes. And this continues to be a a piece of growing edge work for me too, you know, so I'm right there with everybody in this. The thing that makes it sticky about herbal medicine is that it's absolutely true that nobody owns the plants and nobody owns this medicine. And this tradition that we are all part of, regardless of which parts of the world our learnings have come from. This has been handed down to us by the ancestors. This has been taught to us by the plants. This is not, um, and this is the birthright of every human being that comes into this world to have access to this medicine. So there is a real way that for herbalists, I think we can struggle with feeling like, how do I have the right to charge money for this sacred work that isn't really even mine to begin with, you know? And for me, I manage that feeling in my practice by providing a lot of really high quality teaching and information to people for free. So I have a podcast like you that is completely free, that I really try to bring my best stuff to the show. I pay for the hosting. I make it available as a gift to the world for free and teach classes periodically for free, all of that kind of stuff. But the reality is that there is labor and educational investments that I have made and that most of us in the herbal community, gosh, like how much time and money have we spent to get this knowledge, you know? And there is something that I am bringing that is worth being compensated for in a fair way. And the way that the world is set up, there's no way for me to bring this medicine to people either for free or in in consultations. There's no way for me to do it if I can't make a living, pay my own rent, you know, pay my utility bills, buy groceries, you know, like there's no, Mm -hmm. there's not, this is the economic system that we live in. And, and in order to be able to give our best work, we have to be well supported and well cared for. So I think that there is a piece of, of just accepting that you need to work with that tension between the part of the medicine that it is our responsibility to share freely and the part of your work that really is more than what you can share for free in a way that is not abusive of your time and your energy. Mm-hmm. And we all work that out a little differently. So I think that's the first piece. And then I think the second piece is that sometimes it's hard to charge or to feel really good about charging for your work if you're not really sure that your work is all that good or all that valuable. And this is, I think, another problem that's really rampant in herbal medicine because the wider culture has so stomped on and devalued and abused um, herbal medicine and the way that we practice. And we've been kind of standing in the shadows as second-class practitioners for a really long time. And the only way that we're going to be able to get out of that is by doing this, the hard work of really testing with our clients, am I getting them results? And it can feel maybe a little bit scary at first, 
but you've just got to, to get some proof for yourself and also for people who are curious about becoming your clients in the future. So now that I've done that work of kind of doing some public facing case studies, clients who have been willing to share their stories with others and, you know, documenting what really happens when someone works with me, I have absolute confidence now when a client comes to me that I can either say to them, you know, this issue that you have, I'm not really sure what's going to happen or what results I can get for you. And so it's up to you whether you want to move into this. I'm not sure. But with a lot of issues, most mental health um, complaints and women's health complaints and psychosomatic manifestations, when people come to me with that stuff, I am so confident that I can help because I have the proof. Mm -hmm. And I feel like knowing the the suffering that they're going through I feel so confident in the rates that I'm offering, even mm-hmm. though I think for herbalists, they're a little bit on the high side. So, but when you compare it to what, at least here in the US, when you compare it to what it costs to go to some of these, you know, integrative medical doctors, or when you compare it to fertility treatment, conventional fertility treatment, my rates are a drop in the bucket compared to those other costs. I love, there's so many things I wanted to pick up on what you said, actually. I love that point you made at the end that not only for our own self-confidence as practitioners, but also for our clients and for giving them the confidence in wanting to work with us and feeling comfortable working with us. It's so important to get testimonials and case studies. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, because obviously our patients and clients are seen under confidentiality, I think practitioners can get quite uncomfortable about, ooh, you know, I'm not going to be able to share anything. But like you said, you can just I guess you just asked someone for permission if you could share their story. Is that how you did it? Yeah. Well, what I did and, you know, people, everyone can work with this in their own way. The first thing is you have to measure, you have to measure people's results. So you can use a, you know, a scale that you invent or just a one to 10, they rate their symptoms as well as some qualitative stuff. Like all of my people write a health history intake that they write in their own words and when we get to that check-in point, I look back and I read them, read back to them what they said in the beginning, and we compare their symptom scores. You can do this also with blood work or other objective tests if they're being monitored by someone who has a license to do those tests. But you have to measure. So that's the first part. And then the second part is for the public-facing case studies, what I did was I had one client who I had already worked with who was somewhat of an evangelist about about my work who I asked after the fact if she'd be willing to share her case study publicly, and she said yes. But with the others, I asked them in advance before we started working together, and I offered them a savings on the package that they had that they wanted in order to honor their willingness to help me create some evidence about mm-hmm. the effectiveness of the work. So that's one way to do it is if you're really honestly in a testing place and you're wanting to do some testing, that can be a time when it feels really good to offer someone a free or low cost or reduced cost program. And then they have the the understanding from the beginning that we're going to share these results publicly in a way that still respects your privacy. So I always run, you know, the videos or the texts that I'm going to print by my client and get their approval first. And there are parts of their stories that are not shared, but enough, they're willing to share enough that it still, it provides really, really viable proof. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to pick up on about 
about charging and, and this whole sense of feeling guilty around charging is that actually I found, at least in health coaching, is that clients get better results if they're paying. Yeah. So if you were to just write a website where you shared everything you knew about herbal medicine, people, you know, people read it and they think, oh, that's interesting. And then they never do it. (laughs) They never take it seriously. And so by actually committing and paying to work with you in this series, like when you said you have people sign up for three months, if they're paying for three months, they're going to actually do the work because Mm -hmm. they've invested in it. Which is much better than like if they just asked you, oh, what herb should I take for this? And which we know, you know, is not the approach anyway. You know, that's what they seem to always ask for when you're out. Like, oh, what should I do just to fix this one problem? But actually when they pay and step up and commit to a program, then then they are going to experience better results because they'll actually do the work. Yeah. And because they have the right support, you know, Mm. like answering that question of what herb should I take for blank that we all know that does a disservice to the person who's asking that question. They don't have enough information to ask the right question that will help them most in that moment. And you can't get them to the right questions in a five or 10 minute interaction in the aisle at the health food store. (laughs) You know, you can't. So it, the, the truly kind and compassionate thing to do is not to give them an answer to that question that doesn't serve them, but to help them get some resources or to work with you in a way that's going to really get them the help that they need. And that's what you have to be able to stand for, not that you're going to not that you're going to satisfy that kind of immediate want that people have, but that as the practitioner and the person with the training, you can look at that immediate want and simultaneously understand that there's a deeper need that they can't articulate because this is all so new to them. And you have to be able to help step-by-step walk them through why working with you or why getting some deeper education or something, why that is really the question they're asking, why that's really going to work for them, not just, you know, take blank for blank, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. And I think, you know, if you do just, this is kind of where free content and, and what you were talking about, like you can offer some free things sure. through your blog, through your podcast. And if somebody just wants superficial information, that's where they can go to get it. You know, or if they just want a little taste or they're really not going to spend the money or they're not at the point that they're prepared to make changes, that's where they can go get that initial information and start to, you know, start to develop a relationship with you through your free content so that when they are ready to get serious about improving their health, then then they are ready to work, enter into a paid program with you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to mention one last thing, and, and which is programs online, because one of the things I I also thought was really interesting about what you're doing, Melanie, is that you've got this women's health intensive program. And I think that's fantastic, actually, because at least in the health coaching space, it's quite popular to have online programs like detox programs or 10 day challenges. And I don't really see that with herbalists. Mm -hmm. And I think it's brilliant that you're doing it. So I was wondering if you could talk a bit about you know, what that program is and how you brought it into the world, how it came to be. Oh, sure. So it's so great that we're having this conversation today because we're right now, we're in the first week of the program for this year. And the group this year is just amazing. So I have a lot of energy around this right now. And this is great to talk about. So originally, when I first started my herbal practice, I had come the first year, I want to tell this story too, this is a slight backup. But 
the first year that I went to the in-person seminar component of the program that I graduated from, the East-West School of Herbal Medicine, one of my colleagues uh, walked into the dining hall and he saw all the different books and, you know, tinctures and things that other herbalists had for sale there. And he started laughing and he was like, this is the only way to make money at this gig is to sell stuff to other herbalists because we're the only ones who care. <laughs> and I looked and it was like a light bulb went off for me. And I thought, you know what? This is the problem because we haven't found a way to talk to the general public so that they understand that we have what they are looking for. People are looking for this medicine, this whole person, natural, safe, effective medicine. People want it. They just don't know that we have it. So that year, I really applied myself to like, okay, what are, what's everything I can try to bridge that communication gap? And so I thought I had, I had seen that sort of leveraged model of teaching a group class. And because I wanted to have some more affordable options for people to really get what they need from me, but maybe not have to spend quite as much money if they weren't able to invest in the one-on-one -on -one work. I thought that having a group program would be a really great way to do that. This is such, I just want to call this out to make sure everybody listening gets it. So basically what Melanie's saying is she's now got three levels that people can work with her at. So it's okay if they can't pay for your full price for your one-on-one -on -one work because they've either got the free podcast, which is free, mm -hmm. and then they've got this group program that's like an intermediate rate, and then they've got your one-on-one -on -one work. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly. awesome. Think about all the more people that could start to interact with you and and be helped by you by offering those different levels. I just wanted to call that out because I think that's oh, really, great. really key. Okay, keep Yes, going. yes, by all <laughs> means. So anyway, I started and I knew, I thought that women's health was an area that I wanted to specialize in. And I have some history with women's health issues myself. So it felt like a good place to kind of dig in. So I started interviewing women who had polycystic ovarian syndrome or fertility challenges or endometriosis severe um, PMS and PMDD, I interviewed a bunch of women about their experiences trying to work with those conditions and what what their pro their challenges around finding natural interventions had been. I didn't talk about herbs and herbal medicine so much. I just asked them about like, you know, natural and complementary medicine, because a lot of people just don't think about herbal medicine. That's like not part of what they're they're thinking of. And I, as I interviewed them, I found some different places where I was like, oh, yes, like I can fill in this gap. And the big complaints that I heard were, you know, I go from practitioner to practitioner and doctor to doctor. And, you know, one doctor treats my skin. One doctor is treating my hormones. My acupuncturist is doing something else that I don't know exactly what it is, but I feel better after I leave, but I'm not sure if it's helping, you know, like just mm -hmm. they're doing all of this stuff and it felt very disjointed and they didn't understand um, or have the tools to understand why they were experiencing the symptoms they had or how these different interventions could fit into a picture that was going to support them. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to make this program in which I take them step by step through how I would think as an herbalist in a way if I was working with them one-on-one. -on -one. So in the first week, I'm going to give them tools about how to listen to their own bodies in a couple of different ways, how to really track their symptoms and notice what's happening. Then we're going to talk about food in a non-dogmatic way, like just looking at the energetic effects of different foods and how to match those foods to what's happening based on what you learn in week one. 
And then we're going to talk about rest and creativity and expression and exercise in week three and how to tailor that again back to what you learn about yourself in the first week. And then we'll look at some common patterns of imbalance as understood through TCM and Ayurveda and Western herbal medicine, some different paradigms that could help to explain the symptoms that they're having. And then in week five, we're going to match herbs. We're going to take some safe herbs and some classic formulas that they have their own materia medica that they can draw from. And I'm going to give them the tools to know how to create their own protocol based on everything that they've learned up until that point. So I ran the program that first year as a beta test. So the first year it was pay what you want. And then that I got really good feedback and I tweaked the program a little bit. And then we ran it again the second year and, you know, tweaked it again. And now it's in year three. And this year by far has been the most, the year when I've had the most people join, the most kind of excitement about the beginning of the program. So the other lesson I would say is that sometimes it takes a little while for you to test things and get some traction. It doesn't mean the program isn't good. It just means that there might be a couple of places where you can adjust and get a bit better of a result. So you have to, you know, if you're really committed to something, you have to work through it in multiple iterations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a good point. You can't just because you have it, you release something the first time and, and you don't get hundreds of signups doesn't mean that it's a failure. It no, just means no. you need to keep tweaking, especially changing the language that you use around it and revisit your promotional strategy and, and just give it some time to gain momentum. Yeah. I was wondering if you could quickly kind of address kind of the technical side of, you know, how do you run a program like this? Do you Was it quite technically involved or... Or are you no. doing something simple? Okay. <laughs> no, I keep it really easy. And I think this is a big mistake that a lot of people make when they first start going to do online stuff is that there are a lot of um, big, shiny tools out there and we can confuse the tool with really like doing high quality work. Like the tool is not what's going to make a difference between your program being good or your program not being good. So I intentionally, one of my business practices is to keep my overhead really low in order to give myself the freedom to move and change things if I need to. Even though I am I feel quite successful, I am not rich by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. I live a fairly simple life and, and I, I do this work exclusively and that's really rich for me. But uh, part of how I'm able to make it work is that I keep my expenses low. So the way that I deliver this program is through MailChimp, which is a, which is free mm-hmm. up to a certain number of subscribers. Takes a little bit of time to learn, but it's very robust and it's free. And so I have a, all of my participants are on a specific MailChimp list. And every Friday, I send them an email with the program handbook for that week, which I wrote myself and I actually did the graphic design myself, even though I am not a designer. I took a a quick class to learn a little bit of how to design pretty PDFs. So that was inexpensive. And I, so I send that component out on Fridays. And then on Wednesday nights, we have our teaching calls, which I am, I'm using free conference call HD this year for those calls. And I have to say, I, in the past, I used instant teleseminar, which is a good service, um, not expensive, but still some cost. 
And I have to say, Free Conference Call HD has all the pretty much all of the capabilities that Instant Teleseminar has, and it's free. So, and then we have a Facebook group, and that's also free. But of course, with Facebook, you can't count on that always being there. So there is some risk. But the cost for me of do of the program is my time. Like it's my time that it took creating it and tweaking it. And the time that I spend with the participants and the time that I spend promoting the course once a year, like that's my cost. My cost is, and this year I actually did do some Facebook advertising, mm-hmm. which is a whole other topic for another day. But, um, but yeah, I keep, I just keep my overhead really low. I love that. That's great. So technology really shouldn't like, this is the th- recurring theme that is always on this podcast is that technology should not be the sticking point to keep you from, no. from reaching more people online because you can really make it super simple. You yeah. don't have to create some crazy membership site with all these no. bells and whistles and, or videos. Like you were saying, you just do your teleseminars and emails and a Facebook group. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah. Keep it simple. And by all means, I mean, I know sometimes people are worried about, you know, their work. Like there is absolutely nothing to prevent my clients or my participants from forwarding those emails with those PDFs to someone else. Like they could absolutely do that. But you have to trust your people a little more than that. And you have to trust the abundance of the universe that like what you are able to deliver inside the course is not something that that people could get if they somehow sneakily got their hands on your materials. So yes, we need to have some security, but you don't have to be so paranoid about that, that you invest in these really robust, secure websites. It's just, it's unnecessary in the beginning. So Melanie, if you had some advice for some herbalists that are listening, that maybe are just working with patients one-on-one and and want to find a way to leverage what they're doing and and start to go online a bit more and, and grow their business, do you have any advice for them? Yeah. Well, first... Fill your one-on-one practice before you worry too much about leverage. And if you look at your one-on-one practice and in, in all honesty, it is not full and you need more clients, that is the place to start. And the place to, st- to get really good at is those conversations with potential clients, knowing how to listen to what they need and stand in the truth of your own value and the value of this medicine to be able to confidently say to them, yes, I can help you and I would love to help you. And here's what I believe we can do together. And here is the financial investment that goes along with that. To say that with love and confidence and certainty, that's the piece to lean into. And once you feel like your one-on-one practice is, is getting more full, then that's a great time to start looking at what are the common themes that come up? What are the things that I am consistently teaching about or that a lot of my clients ask me? And is there a way that I could create just a little tiny bite-sized scoop of that, either through an ebook or through an online class? And how can I test that and see if that works? And then once I test it, start to disseminate it a little further. I mean, those would be my tips. And if and if you're really struggling to fill your one-on-one practice and you can't, you don't feel good in those those conversations with potential clients, that's where that case study or the proof approach can be really helpful because you've got to have confidence in your medicine and you've got to have confidence in being able to stand in the value of what you offer with a financial number attached. 
That's great. Well, Melanie, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell us where people can find you if they'd like to connect with you or learn more? Of course, of course. So you can find me at psycheandsoma.com, which is not an SEO friendly name. It's just <laughs> the name that was right for me. So it's um, P-S-Y-C-H-E-A-N-D-S-O-M-A.com. And you can email me directly at melanie at psycheandsoma.com if you would like to connect or talk. I had in the past started to think about offering a program for herbalists to help them do this. There is a potential that I might do something like that again. And, and I do in a very quiet way for a very small number of people offer some mentorship to herbalists around business and how to do some of these things. So if you're curious about that, you could certainly reach out and I'll share whatever I can free or paid to support you. And maybe, who knows, maybe someday we'll have a, we'll have a little class or something again, if there's <laughs> enough interest. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, Melanie. You're welcome. Thank you, Amanda. Well, I hope you found that interview as inspiring and thought-provoking as I did. I'd love to hear what you thought. If you just hop back over to the show notes, which are at wellpreneuronline.com slash 25, you can scroll down and leave a comment and let me know what you found most interesting from this episode. And specifically, what are you going to implement or change in your own business based on what we talked about today? I'd love to hear from you. And also, I'm always looking for new, inspiring Wellpreneur podcast guests. So if you know somebody that's really rocking it in their online health and wellness business, please suggest them as a guest. You can tweet me at just at Vintage Amanda, or you can go back to wellpreneuronline.com and submit a guest through the contact form. But I love interviewing people that you really want to hear from, so don't be shy. Anyway, wishing you the best of luck in your business this week. And I will see you back here next week with the next episode.